is an earthly human being, imagine how much more God wants for us to thrive. He doesn't want us just to get by. He doesn't want us just to, to, to just, you know, go day to day in our Christian life. He wants us to do great and wonderful things for him and his kingdom. And so this morning for this uh, first Sunday of January, I want us to make this song our theme song, Thrive. Will you stand with us and let's sing together. We want to thrive, Lord.
Amen. Please be seated. this year. Well, welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. If you're a guest with us, we want to especially welcome you. Uh, You'll notice there in the pew rack in front of you is one of these little white guest registration cards. It's pretty simple to fill out. We'd love a big, great gift for us if you'd fill this out. It's a way for us to get to know you. You can drop it in the offering plate later on in the service. You can indicate on here ways that we can pray for you. You can indicate on here to receive our newsletter. There's a lot of things going on in the life of our church, and so we, we want you to be informed. We want you to be able to be involved. We want you to be involved in ministry and, and in, in the numerous ways that you can be here at First Baptist. And so if you could fill this out and drop it in the offering plate, like I said, it's a great gift for us later on in the service. As we begin, I'm just going to pray for us, and then, then we're going to stand and continue to worship. But we just want to focus our hearts and minds on God's Word and, and on that very song that we just sang that... that as we kick off a new year that we're focusing on him. So let's, let's pray. God, as we begin service this morning, we just pause and, Lord, sometimes we have to just uh, free our minds of all the distractions that may be going on uh, at home, maybe going on next week, the, the busy schedules we have, uh, just to turn our hearts to you. Father, in, In faith, we just come to you and we want to hear from your word this morning. We want to be challenged from your word. We want to leave here differently. Lord, I pray for each of us that in 2019 that we thrive for you. God, that it not be another year about ourselves, but it be a year where we focus on you. God, as we join together to worship this morning, I pray that our worship is pleasing to you. And we just pray for Dr. Cox as he preaches your word to us. It's in your sons and we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with us and let's sing together. Rock of angels, let for me. flown be of sin a double cure save from wrath and make me That cannot be moved He's proven himself to be faithful and true There is no rock There is no God There is no rock There is no God like God Worthy of all our praise the rock of salvation that cannot be moved. He's proven himself to be faithful and true. There is no rock, there is no God like ours. Here we go. Rock of ages, Jesus is the rock. Rock of ages, Jesus is the rock. Rock of ages. There is no rock, there is no God like God. There is no rock, there is no God like God. No of the name, worthy of all our praise. salvation that cannot be moved. Proven himself to be faithful and true. There is no rock, there is no God like God. Rock 
this song. It's become one of my favorites. It's great words. I want you just to really let these words soak into your spirit. God of creation There at the start Before the beginning of time No point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born in the vapor of your breath the planets form if the stars were made to worship so will I I can see your heart in everything you've made every burning star a signal fire of grace if creation sings your praises, so will God of your promise, you don't speak in vain, no syllable empty your voice. Once you have spoken All nature and science Follow the sound of your voice And as you speak A hundred billion creatures Catch your breath Evolving in pursuit of what you 
If it all reveals your nature, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you say. Every painted sky, a canvas of your still obeys you so alive Amen So
You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, and I've seen many searching for answers far and wide but I'm though we're all searching for answers only you provide cause you know just what we need before we say a word you're a good good father let's just sing it Because you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Come on, church, sing it. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Father in heaven. But you're not just any father. You are our good, good father. You are the example for us earthly fathers to look to. And you are the good father that many in our world have never known. Help us to remember that we are loved by you. Help us to really know that you have a plan for our lives that will bless us if We will only follow your guidance. So, Lord, help us to be good, good children who listen and obey the sound of your voice. Speak to our hearts now, Lord, as Dr. Cox brings us a message from your word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today. I want to take just a minute before we look at God's Word uh, to share with you a report on Finish Line. Finish Line's our capital giving campaign, three-year campaign, and we're about a little over six months into it, a sixth of the way. So about every six months, we want to give you a, an update on where we uh, are on that uh, as a church family. And so we've uh, began in the first Sunday in June. I've got a slide if I can show you there. First Sunday in June was when our finish line three-year campaign began. The purpose of this, for those of you who are new, we're seeking to pay off our indebtedness on our new buildings and develop new parking that we can continue to grow. And so to accomplish that, uh, the beginning of June, 121 families in our church committed to give $536,992 over the next three years, over and above their regular tithes and offerings. So it's a real sacrificial commitment that we appreciate so much on the part of our church family. If we give that amount over three years, we'll be completely out of debt and uh, we'll praise God for that. So let's see where we are. So the next slide shows sort of the benchmark of uh, divided by 31 weeks. So we're a little over one-sixth of the way because that fell during the Christmas season. So 31 uh, weeks, a little over six months. If we were on track we, uh, to accomplish that goal over a three-year period, we would have given today 106,000. We've actually given 133,000, so we praise God for that. So just want to give glory to God and thank you for your giving and keep that before us as we move through that, uh, that journey. I also want to share with you that Wednesday begins the resumption of our Wednesday night programming. We've been on a break for uh, uh, Christmas and New Year's, and this Wednesday, everything begins back. It's a great time for you to get involved. Wednesday night is when we do discipleship. And uh, so I want to share with you some things going on. Children's Choir starts back right after school, 3.30. Uh, great, they're going to introduce what they're going to be doing in the spring. If you've got a first through sixth grader, uh, great time to get them in children's choir. Fellowship Supper resumes at 5 o'clock. It's by reservation. Today you have to make a reservation uh, for that. At 6 o'clock is our prayer meeting and our children's and youth activities. At 6.30 is our Christian development program. Now this is a, a, a plan to help us grow as Christians. So there are three classes that begin this Wednesday night. I'm teaching one of our core classes on how to share your faith. Everybody needs to know how do I share my faith with someone else. And so that uh, begins at 6.30. It's a level two class, but anybody can come. Even if you haven't been here for new member orientation, anybody can come. If you've already had that class, there's a great class on Christ-centered parenting. Now that's especially for parents of um, elementary and middle school age children dealing with some of the issues they face. Uh, and then the other option is a great study through the life of Joseph called detours. You ever had any detours in your life? Well, how do you handle those? Joseph had a lot. And so that's some great options uh, this Wednesday. You can get involved in the choir, um, radius, other things going on. I encourage you to be a part of that. One more thing I want to share with you before we look at God's Word. Um, last Sunday in this month, January 27th, we're doing what we call open house and connection groups. And that is we just want to be turn outward and be conscious of inviting people to come to our connection group. Now we can do that any Sunday, we ought to do it every Sunday, but sometimes we just need a focus on that. So January 27th, first of all, you plan to be here. Don't go anywhere. Tell grandma you can't come that weekend. Be here. Second, invite somebody to come with you. We'll have a lot of new people and it'll be a great time if you haven't been involved in a connection group at 8.30 or 9.45 to come and invite people. That's open house January 27th. You'll hear more about it in your connection groups today. Today I want to begin sharing with you a series of sermons that'll take us 11 or 12 weeks going through the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians. This is my preferred method of preaching, to go through a book, and the reason is it lets God set the agenda. You see, if I choose the scriptures that we look at, I may choose things that are my favorites, I might avoid hard topics, but when we go through a book of the Bible, it lets God set the agenda for what we're going to look at week by week. And so we're going to move through this book of Galatians, and one of the goals of going through a book together in worship is that... Um, we, you learn Bible knowledge, you learn what a book is about. One of the goals you ought to have in your Bible study, your growth as a Christian, can you tell 
what each book of the Bible, of the New Testament at least, and a lot of us would have problems with Obadiah or Nahum to sum it up in a sentence off the top of our head, but can you tell what Galatians is about in a sentence? Well, that's a goal we're going to have going through this. And you see what that will do for you if you build your Bible knowledge that way. If you ever want to know, what does the Bible say about the return of Christ? You'll know First and Second Thessalonians are the place you go to learn about the return of Christ. If you're ever dealing with depression or discouragement, you want to know how to have joy, you'll know that Philippians is where you go. If you ever confront somebody who doesn't believe in the deity of Christ, you'll know Colossians is the book about that, and that's where you go. So when you learn what the books are about, a summary statement, maybe one sentence for each book, that will help you to use your Bible and know where to find things in your Bible. So we're going to do Galatians. What's Galatians about? Well, Galatians is about salvation through faith. Faith is the key word. And, and so it is that the way we receive salvation is by faith in Jesus. Here's my uh, statement about Galatians. It is a defense. So the gospel is going to be under attack. Paul's got some enemies and he's defending it. It's a defense of the gospel. Gospel means good news. The heart of the good news, the Bible says, is God loves you. God sent his son from heaven to come to earth to be a human, to die in your place, to take the penalty for your sins, to be raised from the dead, to defeat death. That's the good news. Now, the, a defense of the gospel of salvation by faith, the way you receive that good news, the way you receive eternal life is by putting your faith in Jesus. And that simple gospel is under attack in this letter, and Paul is defending that. Let me share with you how Galatians fits in to the books of the New Testament. Some of you know this, but some of you are new, and I'm so glad that you're here, and I want to help you to understand the Bible a little bit. There are 27 books in the New Testament. We call them books, but most of them average about 10 pages each. They're, they're much shorter writings than that, mostly. The first four books in the New Testament are, are the stories of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four disciples who tell the story of Jesus. The next book, Acts, is the story of the church after Jesus' ascension. So the first five books of the New Testament are narrative. They tell a story. The next 21 books are letters. Almost all the rest of them, except Revelation, are letters that Christian leaders, pastors wrote to churches or individuals. Of those 21 letters, the first 13, after Acts, the next 13, were written by Paul. Uh, Paul's letters. Uh, and they fit into the narrative of Acts. The last half of Acts is about the ministry of Paul. So those 13 letters largely fit into Acts or come a little bit after it. So that's the historical background for the letters. The letters fit into that. So where does Galatians fit? Well, we don't know for sure. The reason the letters are arranged in your Bible the way they are Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, is from longest to shortest. Longest to shortest to churches, then longest to shortest to individuals. That's just the way they arrange them, because they don't know. But if we tried to put them in chronological order, Galatians is probably the first of Paul's letters, and Galatians is probably the oldest book in our New Testament. It is the first Christian writing that we have. So it would be first, probably, in chronological order. Here's the background. In Acts 13 and 14, that's where you would fit this letter in. In Acts 13 and 14, Paul takes his first missionary journey. Let me show you a map of that missionary journey up here, if I can. And Paul left, ooh, that's not real clear, is it? Uh, Paul left Antioch, and he went uh, this direction and back. And if you see this uh, green, it is Galatia. That says Galatia right there. I should have looked at this a little better. It's not too clear. So these churches, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby, are the cities of Galatia that he, finished, that he visited on his first missionary journey. And the last verse of verse, Acts 14 says, And he returned to Antioch and stayed there a long time. Now let me show you Acts 15, 1 and 2. Here's the background of Galatians. Here's where Galatians fits into Acts. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch, and we're teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. 
And so they were changing that simple gospel that we've said Galatians about salvation by faith. And they said, yeah, to be saved, you've got to believe in Jesus, but you also have to become a Jew. That is, keep all the Jewish regulations of which circumcision was the, the primary symbol. So they were adding to keeping the Old Testament, being circumcised, following Judaism for these Gentiles to faith in Jesus. The next verse says, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. And so apparently what was going on at Antioch had also reached these churches of Galatia. And uh, Paul hears about it and he writes this letter against this background to the churches of Galatia to defend the gospel that salvation is by faith in Jesus and faith in Jesus alone and that you don't add anything to that requirement for salvation or it changes the very character of the gospel we'll look as we go through Galatians at some ways today the gospel is under attack and some groups today that would add things to simple faith in Christ as the means to salvation because we need to be firmly rooted in the understanding that the way you're saved is by the grace of God through faith in Jesus and when you add other requirements or sacraments or works or obedience or things to that then you distort the message of the gospel so with that brief background let's begin in Galatians 1 1 and let's start through this book of Galatians now it's a letter remember and so ancient letter writing began this way. You first of all told who, you, who it was from. Makes a lot more sense than putting it at the bottom to me, right? Put it at the top. So the very first word is Paul. He's writing this. Paul. And here's how he identifies himself in this uh, address. An apostle sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now why does Paul say that? Because the people who are attacking the gospel, we're going to see in Galatians, are also attacking Paul's credentials as an apostle. The way they're discrediting his message is to discredit him and said, you're not one of the 12 apostles. You don't have any business telling us what we, how to be saved. You don't, shouldn't have this message to the Gentiles. And so Paul says, Paul, an apostle, sent from men, not from men, or by man but by Jesus Christ and so he's gonna go back to his experience his call his direct encounter with Jesus then in verse 2 the way you write a letter you tell who it's from then you tell who it's to and verse 2 in the middle of the verse says and to the churches in Galatia and then the third thing you do in the letter is you send a greeting sort of a hello we might say I'm fine hope you're doing well too you know something like that so here's what he does verse 3 grace and peace to you and boy that's the heart of the, the gospel right there it's by the grace of God and it results in peace grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever amen so in his greeting he really sums up this good news the good news is that Jesus has come from God the Father to rescue us from our sins and from the present evil age there's more to life folks than this age there is another age coming and he's rescuing us from this age according to the will of God the Father so in his opening he's sort of already got it what this letter is about he's gonna defend his credentials as an apostle and he's gonna defend the content of the gospel of grace by salvation through faith now the next thing that comes in an ancient letter and that comes in every other of Paul's letters is a word of thanksgiving this is the formula you follow in writing a letter you say a word of thanks I'm thankful for you and if you'll read Romans the next thing in Romans is Paul said, I thank God for you. If you read 1 Corinthians, I'm thankful to God for you. 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, every other letter of Paul has a thanksgiving. You know what the only letter that doesn't have a thanksgiving is? This one, Galatians. You know why? Because Paul is ticked off. That's why. Paul is heartbroken at the Galatians, at, at what's happening, and he is angry at those who are misleading them he omits the thanksgiving he jumps right in to the problem here it is verse 6 I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel Paul says I'm astonished 
And, and you know, I, I want to say this as a pastor because I have the same pastor's heart that I think Paul is reflecting here. I'm always astonished when people come to Christ and are baptized and get in church and then they turn away from that. Whether it's somebody who turns away to an unbelief in Christ or who just drifts away, I'm sort of astonished, aren't you? I mean, hey, this is the greatest thing in the world. You can have your sins forgiven. You can go to heaven. You can have the help of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can have joy and peace. And all you do is admit that you're a sinner, turn from your sin, and put your faith in Jesus Christ. What kind of a deal is that? Who would turn from that? After you've tasted that, the free gift of salvation, why would you turn to anything else? Why would you embrace any other message or philosophy of life or think, you know, that church thing was good, but I, I'm just going to... Why? Why? This is the greatest opportunity and the greatest message in the world, right? Your sins can be forgiven. You can get off the hook. You can go to heaven. You can have peace and direction in life, and the, God's going to help you every day of your life. What an offer. Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly... Now, remember the background. Acts 13 and 14, 48, 47, 48 AD. This, the earliest letter, 49 AD, probably about a year later. So Paul, in only a year's time, they, who Paul went into Iconium, Lystra, and Durban, he started these churches, man, had them going great, and now he gets back to Antioch, and he hears within a year that some of them are turning away from this gospel. And he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you or one translation has it turning away from you know the quickly that, that that first year when you become a believer if you're a new believer in Christ let me say to you the first year is important in your life after you get baptized you need to you need to get in church you need to get rooted in the Bible because you can set some habits and some patterns in your life that would, can stay with you for a long time. That first year is important. And, and, and the devil's going to attack you in those early days, I believe. So he says, I'm astonished you're so quickly deserting or turning away from. Uh, let me ask you, which way are you turning? As we begin a new year, would you sort of take stock of the direction that your spiritual life is trending? Is it trending toward greater love for Christ and obedience are you trending sort of away from that where are you now compared to where you were in January 2018 or where you were five years ago would you sort of take stock of your spiritual direction as we begin a new year because these Galatians Paul says you're quickly trending in the wrong direction I, I've shared with you before often in this church um, that the first of every year, I make a prayer list uh, of people who are not Christians that I'm going to pray for during the year that they would come to faith in Christ. What I haven't always shared with you is I also have a prayer list of people that I see drifting away from Christ. And as a pastor, that breaks my heart, and I pray for them. I pray for them that, that they would not desert the one who called them to live in the grace of Christ. What direction is your life trending? And then let me say to you, maybe you have people in your life that this applies to that you ought to be praying for. Maybe there are people that, that you love that uh, it seems like their spiritual life is trending away from church, away from Christ. Maybe, it, maybe it's uh, kids in your life or grandkids. Why don't you commit, just as you'd commit to pray for a person who doesn't know Christ as Savior, why don't you on the flyleaf of your Bible or on a prayer list why don't you write down their names and say, you know, I'm going to pray for them, that they'll turn back to Christ and to the one who called them. And, and let me say a word to you if you're a parent and you have either grown children or teenagers or whatever who seem to be doing what this verse says, deserting the one who called them, turning away. Because I know that uh, for parents, if you've got kids like that, Boy, that hurts you deeply, and, and you may feel a sense of failure. You know, what did I do? where did I go wrong? Why are my kids not in church? Are my grandkids not in church? Why don't they love Christ? I thought I taught them well. Let me just offer you a word of encouragement. Do you think the Apostle Paul was a failure? I would say the Apostle Paul was a pretty successful follower of Christ. And yet here are people that he led to Christ, churches that he established, and within one year, 
they are, are uh, turning away from the gospel. And maybe it'll give you a little consolation to, to realize that's, you're not responsible there. Paul's heart was broken for them, as your heart would be. But that did not reflect on Paul's ability to preach the gospel or to live before them, did it? And so you don't need to bear the responsibility and the burden of them turning. You love them and you pray for them, but, but even Paul, I'm saying, had folks desert. Uh, it, it's not about that, uh, that messenger. It's the responsibility of that person. Now Paul says in the latter part of this verse, you're turning to a different gospel, verse 7, which is really no gospel at all. Paul says that if you alter the character of this message, that salvation is by faith in Christ alone, it, does, it ceases to be good news. It ceases to be good news. The message uh, paraphrases this, it's not a minor variation, it's an alien message. So we'll talk about cults as we go through Galatians, but in this introduction, let me just share with you, when this is why we don't see the cults as being on par with other Christian expressions because when you add some things to the gospel, it doesn't just, oh, it's a little different. It is no gospel at all because the good news is that independent of my qualifications and effort, I can be saved by repentance and faith. If you start layering on to faith in Christ, but you also have got to be baptized or follow this way or, or do this kind of thing, then you radically alter and it's not good news because how have I measured up? Have I done enough to keep that? And so Paul says when you turn to a different gospel, you're turning to no gospel at all. Now in the latter part of verse 7, he, he's, here's the root of it. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So this deserting was coming through some people who were misleading them you see God often works through people he works through human instruments so the devil who is a counterfeiter also works through people so there will be people in your life and in the life of those you love who will try to throw them into confusion this verse says one translation is to shake Another translation is to disturb or trouble. So in your faith journey, there will be people who will try to throw you in confusion, disturb you, or shake you in that. And it may be, you go, kids, you go off to college and you encounter some professor who has some agenda to, to shake, to trouble, to disturb now, not all college is certainly bad. You can, your faith can grow in college. But understand, when you move to a new phase of life, or if you move into military service or wherever, there will be those who seem to have an agenda to shake your faith, to disturb you, or to throw you into confusion by teaching you a philosophy or a movement that is contrary to what you've heard in the gospel. And that's what was happening in Galatia. Uh, it may be in a relationship. You get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and oh, you're in love. And they've got a, they've, and they lead you into another kind of belief. It may be at a time when you're lonely. You know, I have a young lady who grew up in our church, came through our youth group, and is now active in Mormonism. And, and you know, I, I tried to talk to her to find out sort of what happened. There came to be a time in her life when she was lonely and there were people who befriended her and from that relationship of friendship that she really needed in her life at that time she was pulled into a different kind of gospel and and that's what happened at Galatia and it's what can happen uh, to you and it says in verse 8 Paul says you've got to separate the message from the messenger don't be fooled from somebody who is a uh, who meeting a need in your life, or who is impressive in their credentials. Paul says this in verse 8, Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. 
Paul said, I don't care if an angel comes down and tells you some different way to be saved. You don't believe that angel because the devil can disguise himself as an angel of light. Paul says, even if I go crazy and I come back to you and I've lost my mind and tell you there's another way to be saved, you don't believe it, he says. And he says, let them be under God's curse. Uh, the word is anathema means to be condemned to hell it means to be damned that's pretty strong language and just so you don't think Paul's just exaggerating like preachers sometimes do and getting carried away say things off the cuff sometimes I say things off the cuff and I think why did I say that I really hadn't planned on saying that you know well maybe Paul's just got a little carried away in verse 8 you know maybe he just that's a little bit too strong so he repeats exactly in verse 9 so you will know he didn't just get carried away he's serious about this as we have already said so now I say again if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted let them be anathema under God's curse condemned to hell Boy, that's strong. Why is, you don't hear in the Bible very much people telling somebody to go to hell, right? I mean, that's, that's a little bit unusual. Why? Eternity hangs in the balance. If you mislead somebody about the gospel, Paul says that's a very serious thing. If you're a bad influence on somebody, Jesus had said it'd be better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and thrown into the depths of the sea than to mislead one of these little ones. Pretty similar thing that Jesus said. Paul is saying... Eternity hangs in the balance. Be careful of how you mislead people. And Paul says it would be better for these people who are leading others in away from the opportunity to go to heaven to be under God's curse. And Paul says in verse 10, Am I now trying to, to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I'd not be a servant of Christ. It seems like Paul is answering an accusation here. Probably some of these were saying, you're just trying to please those Gentiles by making it so easy to get into heaven that they don't have to keep the Jewish rules. You're just a people pleaser, Paul. And Paul responds, do you still think I'm trying to please people in light of what I've just said? I am a slave, a servant of Christ, and my only desire is to serve him. And I'll not live to please people regardless of the consequences. Well, we've just looked at the introduction to Galatians. You get the idea of where we're going. We'll develop all that further. But let me just ask you some questions today to consider. First of all, most important question, have you embraced the gospel of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ? It is, we will see, the only way for you to be saved. And nothing you can do will ever measure up. And no works or no actions that you'll take is going to qualify you would you repent of your sin today and put your faith in Jesus because it's good news you can get off the hook you can go to heaven you can have a full and meaningful life by faith in the one son of God Jesus Christ and then let me ask you a second question if you confessed Christ in what direction is your life trending where are you as we begin a new year? Maybe you know where the stock market's trending and you know where your favorite football program is trending. Let me ask you to examine for a moment, how is your spiritual life trending? Where are you? What direction are you moving? And if you see that maybe you are less in love with Christ or less committed to him or less involved, would you turn around? Paul in this letter is trying to turn these Galatians around. You can turn around! And what a great new beginning for this year to get back on track. Let me ask you to consider this question. Are you allowing anyone to lead you astray? Have you been so enamored with somebody who is some angel of light, impressive in your life, that you have allowing them to lead you away from the gospel of grace and salvation through Jesus? Somebody's confused you. Somebody's questioned you. Would you see that that could be the work of the devil? Finally, do you have friends or relatives who are trending away that you just want to pray for in our invitation time today? I want to read to you two more verses, James 5, 19 and 20 from another book of the Bible. Here's what it says. I think it summarizes this passage. Now, brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring the person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways shall save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Is there somebody you want to pray for today? who's maybe wandered and you would pray they'd turn back. Let's pray together. Oh God,
as we begin a new year, may we be more in love with you today than we've ever been. May we, our, our zeal burn hotter, our love burn stronger than ever before. And if that's not the case, may we turn back to the one who has saved us by grace. Lord, if there are people on our heart who are in this situation, we just want to pray for them right now. You've brought some people to some folks' hearts. And here in this time, oh, we pray, oh, Lord, they can turn back. Turn them back, Lord. Bring people into their lives. Lord, if there are those of us who today would see this is good news, would you draw them to you so that they might be saved through faith in Jesus? I pray in his name. Amen. Would you stand together with me as we sing a song of invitation today? If you'd receive the offer of salvation, if you'd put your faith in Jesus, would you walk forward and meet me here? Somebody will share with you, answer questions, pray with you. You can become a Christian today and follow him. If you want to join our church, we'd welcome you into this church family. Churches have trouble. The church at Galatians had trouble. Churches are still God's church. You need to be in a church. Maybe you want, somebody, you want to pray for somebody more. You want to come and kneel here. You're welcome to do that. God speaks to you. Would you come? Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they Thank you. Please be seated if you will. We're going to give our offerings now in worship to God. Let us pray. Our most graciously, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, this beautiful weather, 
And we're just so grateful, Father, that you've allowed us another day to, to be here. Father, as we have many resolutions uh, planned and we've committed to, I pray that at the top of the list, Father, will be to thrive for you this year, to be more like Jesus. Father, we ask that you bless these tithes and offerings. May we use them according to your will. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, Lindy. As we close, uh, there's several important announcements uh, you don't, wor- don't miss there in your worship guide. One that's not in there, I just want to remind parents um, at the end of this month, so January 27th, if you have a middle schooler or high school that's planning to go to either a camp or on our mission trip this summer, that deposit of $100 is going to be due January 27th. And so I'll keep reminding you of that. Just wanted to get that out in the open now so you know that on January 27th. If you're a first-time guest with us, we'd love for you to have the chance to meet our lead pastor, Dr. Cox. As you exit the sanctuary, head down to your left, and you'll see a welcome desk uh, just up the ramp. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for your, uh, your love, your, your grace, your goodness to us. And I pray, uh, Lord, that we can just uh, look at our own lives and, and evaluate our hearts and see where we're trending and where we need to be headed in 2019. God, we pray that you help us to be faithful, that, that you just help us uh, to fall more in love with you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.